Hey everyone, Aaron from The Film Aspect here again to introduce you to what is the second part of our birthday extravaganza which we live streamed at the beginning of February to celebrate a whole year of myself and Brian talking about film. So we'll pick it back up right where we left off with part two of our breakdown of IMDb's top ten films. Enjoy. The oldest film on the list, number five, 12 Angry Men at 8.9, same as Schindler's List and Return of the King. And I'm just going to hit it with this one to start. I'd never seen this movie before. I was very glad to be watching it because, like we were saying, it is almost half the length of every other film on this list. And I really, really enjoyed this movie because I think think because I went into it in a slightly better mood. I mean... People will be thinking like this. Mm. This this guy's adapting. You know, he's sitting complaining about movies because they're too long when he's like he does a weekly film podcast. But um, <laughs> you know, there was just there was just something about it where I was like, all right, okay, I've got enough time to do this. It isn't consuming my entire evening or whatever. So I sat down to watch, it and it was mm-hmm. one of the first ones that like actually, you know, maybe you're looking at your phone and stuff, and then it started to draw me in because it is so like. Obviously, a lot of it is the talking as well, so you have to be paying attention. But it did draw me yeah. in, and what I loved about it, it, it it's kind of like I knew nothing about it. I, I kind of had a, an assumption mm-hmm. went just by looking at the DVD, but like uh, I liked it when it started to build up, and you realise like this movie is going to be set entirely in this room, and that is it, and that is going to be it. And then I was thinking, mm-hmm. right, that's a big challenge. How are they going to manage to keep this going at well enough pace to keep it? the entire length of the movie and it was when you know so it starts out obviously it's all about uh someone on, who's on trial and you get a 12 uh, person jury and they have to decide whether they think he's guilty or not it has to be a unanimous vote 11 of them vote guilt, uh, guilty and one person who is henry fonda is it uh, yeah. yeah henry fonda uh yeah. votes not guilty and then he has to basically convince the entire lot and see when you start you're thinking oh man like, how is that even possible? And it still feels like that for so much of the movie. But it does so well yeah. with its script, I think, to pace it out in a way that, that, that keeps it going. Even though just it's just 12 guys talking about the same subject for an hour and a half, essentially. They'll be repeating statements, you know, mm-hmm. the wall was going about, the woman she saw him from across the way, the, 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 the old man she held him fall down, the knife and all this kind of stuff. They're repeating the same things, but it's like every time it comes out, it's got a slightly new spin on it. And then it's like slightly developing in a way before it starts to be like, obviously they basically try to piece together the, the, the crime themselves to figure out what is actually happening. And I liked how it was like coming back like that in a kind of non-traditional way. It wasn't like the typical sense of like, there are moments like this, but like, you know, there's the guy who has his son and he's like, oh, I've got issues with, his son, with my mm-hmm. son or whatever. And then that kind of comes back, you know, or each of these moments isn't like that. It isn't just like, that's got to come up later. What, what all of them, but it, like, it just naturally evolves in a way that it just kept me engaged the entire time. And it's brief enough. It knows how long it needs to be as well mm-hmm. and it takes those little moments of respite where like they go to the toilets for like five like, like literally a five minute toilet break <laughs> like in the movie but it's still interesting and, and it, it makes ch- sense yeah. yeah and it reveals enough about yeah. the characters but not too much where you can kind of get why they would vote guilty or not guilty and it's slightly revealing little bits mm-hmm. of the background without you ever really knowing any of their names i don't think i don't think you find out you only yeah. find out uh, henry fonda's name at the very last bit um but yeah mm-hmm. um really 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 enjoyed it i'll let rachel go or brian yeah i have thoughts 
<laughs> um, okay, well, I can go. So uh, I was the same. Uh, obviously, kind of heard of it and was kind of aware of it, but I had no idea like what it was about or anything like that. Um, but obviously, you know, that runtime is quite enticing considering how long the other films <laughs> on the list were. Uh, so, yeah, just went in with like a pretty, you know, blank slate, no idea what was going to happen. And like you, Aaron, I absolutely loved it like just thought everything about it was brilliant and I really loved the fact that like you say you know we don't know any of their names we only find out what Henry Fonda's name and I think you find out the older guy's name at the very end mm-hmm. Um I just love the fact that that you know we didn't know any other names they were only referred to by their numbers and that kind of stressed me out a wee bit because then they all started like swapping seats and I was like oh no please don't do that because I know you buy your numbers around the table but then like I managed to kind of like learn what number they all were and stuff mm-hmm. so that was really cool but um I really liked that fact because you know it's it's who who they are doesn't really matter obviously like the kind of their backstories are important for them as individuals but you know who they are it doesn't really matter what matters is you know their morals and it's more a a kind of moral exploration and not giving them like names or like defining uh, or those defining features then makes it obviously easier for the audience to kind of insert themselves into those positions Mm -hmm. and so yeah I just I really loved that that kind of aspect of it and um, just bits of the script as well were so good how there was that bit with how the the old man had heard the boy say I'll kill I'm gonna kill him or, or something like that and then it came back when like Jura number three said it to Henry Fonda and then Henry Fonda was like oh but like do you mean that like I just thought that was so clever maybe I'm just like really really easily impressed but I just like love that bit I think I had to like pause it and like yeah. take in and be like whoa that was actually like think, so good i, think I actually sat up i was um, like oh boy like when he got his score against yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so um and, and just as well when uh, juror number 10 went on like that really kind of like racist rant monologue oh, yeah. you know just his inner prejudices really came out i love the way they shot that with like everybody kind of just slowly moving away from the table and just kind of you know taking up positions elsewhere in the room and and even though you know some of them had seemed like they would maybe agree with him like even they like couldn't stand to be you know in the kind of vicinity that he was in obviously like they're still trapped in the same room with him but um yeah and then just I was doing a bit of reading about it today just uh, before we came on here and um there's kind of like I guess the film's kind of split into like three sections. So at first they shoot like above eye level and then the middle kind of section comes down to eye level. And then after like the kind of third section is below eye level um, just to kind of increase that sense of like claustrophobia, like the, the, the longer that they're in there and like deliberating over things and talking about it and just, you know, like thinking about that. Yeah, that, 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 that was really apparent, especially like as tensions rose and as, you know, obviously they're getting hotter and things like that, that, that aspect of pathetic fallacy as well. I just, I think I could keep ranting about it for ages so I'm going to shut up and let someone else talk about it but yeah I just absolutely loved it and it was just like a breath of fresh air on that list so I'm going to shush now but yeah loved it (laughs) Ryan you want to go um if you want (laughs) Uh, this was not the first time I've seen this film I've seen this film a few times and this is probably the least I've enjoyed it because what I look for in films is what I, I call my version of authenticity. And because this is based on a play, it fell into that trap of every time somebody speak, spoke, I could hear the director say action. And every time he stopped speaking, I could hear them say cut. Like every single person almost, the guy with the hat, 
every time he spoke, he stood up, walked around the table, and came back down. Every, it was that. a series. It was a series of monologues, one after the other, rather than a discussion. And that's coming from a like a, a purely practical film making point. I was not a fan of that. Um, technically, as as a as a Marvel, as you know, it's highly rated for a reason, and I do agree with that. And on, on any other day of the week, but in this viewing, I'm just I'm I'm falling away more and more from that style of acting where it's now okay, um, mid shot, tapes rolling, action, stand up, say my line, sit back down, and you're not getting that acting at the whole acting is reacting thing. You're not getting reactions. You're getting the, your series of monologues. These guys reading off a script, and I just there's some films which I used to love, which I, I can't see past that now. And that was what I felt like with 12 Angry Men. Nice. But, but um, I've watched this film maybe five or seven times. So I'm 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 past the, um, you know, oh, I'm going to kill you, like you were talking about earlier. I, I had these exact same feelings the first time I watched it. I'm looking back through multiple viewings now rather than having that initial yeah. first viewing experience. Five or seven, not yeah. six. Not five six. <laughs> I'll keep it in mind. Um, so this is my second time watching it, but my first time watching it, I was nine years old in primary school. Um and the rest of the class were away on like this week long holiday, but I didn't want to go and also my parents couldn't pay for it and that was a big bummer because all my friends were going. But we kind of had like a breakfast club style where all the kind of misfit kids that parents couldn't pay for or like the chubby kids because it was like a sporty thing, right? And I was like, um, so we all got together <laughs> and we had this amazing, amazing teacher um, called Mr. Rogers. And he used to carry, to give you an idea of what he was, really uptight strict man but really lovely uh, used to coach tennis just for fun and whenever you were done your work he would open his briefcase and give you a colouring sheet but he only he only had colouring sheets of parrots so um, we had him for the whole week and what he would do was he would get us in he'd be like right English maths do your other shit break time after break time we're going to watch a film so um, we did like the classic Karate Kid one day and then in the afternoon we did the remake of the Karate Kid. I took in my old Lauren Hardy DVDs because he loved them and then we sat down to watch 12 Angry Men and everybody was like, oh for fuck's sake, like it's black and white, we don't want to watch this. <laughs> um, and he, he didn't like sitting at the teacher's desk, he liked to sit at the end of a table and like be with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was sat beside me the whole time and every time something happened he'll be like, he would be like, Oh, mm, 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 mm. or like, uh, see when like everybody started to rally up and get like to the not guilty. He was like, yeah, yeah, I was pure shouting. So that was my first experience with it. Um, and I came home that day like, Dad, I watched my first black and white film that I enjoyed. Um, and my dad was like, What the fuck? Um, why are they making you watch Twelve Angry Men? You're nine years old. So me and my dad sat down and watched it. He'd never seen it. Um, and I've got to give it to uh, Sky Bowser or Sly Bowser because uh, my glasses weren't working there. Um, it is a great play and I actually disagree with Brian. I think it goes really nicely with the tone of the film. Mm-hmm. I love everything about it. Um, I, like Rachel was saying, I love that it builds up the tension. Everybody's getting really gross and sweaty and, and the fan's not working. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, the fan is working because we've turned the lights on because the storm's coming 
but after the storm there's rain and there's like a bit of release um and see that monologue at the end where the guy's just shouting about his son um so yeah i love 12 angry men but again i feel like i agree with brian though if i watched it the amount he had i might start to feel the same way that he does um but Mm -hmm. yeah definitely definitely a good watch i enjoyed it in this list yeah we're all pretty i mean we're all pretty unanimously on the same page yeah (laughs) respect respect for days mate uh, Big respect. What I was going to say, right? It's called Twelve Angry Men. Was Henry Fonda really that angry, or was he just? I think reasonable? he was. Mm, I think he was angry about the other men. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I also like to call yeah, this how... film toxic masculinity. The film, <laughs> 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 but you know, I like that. I really, really like that it shows different aspects of. Uh, what it meant to be a man back then and uh, all their different um, I can't remember what they're called like key parts to their personalities um, and stuff like that anyway Mm -hmm. uh, I could talk about it for days so I'll stop (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll we'll, we'll, uh, speed on because I remember I was like yeah I'd like this to be about probably about an hour and a half we're an hour and a half and we've just hit number five so, <laughs> <laughs> so next up we've got what is i think the newest film on the list 2008 9.0 the dark knight yes <laughs> um when we done we done our our ranking of nolan's films back in september wherever it was and this stood at the top for me and I don't think every time, I said this back then, every time I leave The Dark Knight for a little bit, I'll start to go on that, that train like, ah, it's, it's overhyped, it's overhyped, it's not that good, it's overrated. And then every time I watch it, I'm like, that movie is actually really, really good. And I don't know if I'd be like, fourth best movie in the world, you know, of all movies mm-hmm. of all time, you know this. But... It, it it is special in a different kind of way because because I think what what is so great about it and why why it has ushered in this new age of superhero movies is because it is first and foremost it's just a good drama a good thriller a good story in general that just happened to be they just took that story and applied it to a Batman story which I think is how it has managed to be really good and they've taken that and then weaved in stuff from like comics and and, and the the, the the lore i don't know if you call it the lore of batman but like you know what i mean so like having all the stuff like two-face and then the joker and then all these gangsters and then like batman himself and he's having these problems with like you know batman starting to overtake bruce wayne and uh and then he's having you know issues like he's denying himself of a relationship with rachel and all this kind of stuff it's so grand i love the pacing in the movie it it makes everything feel like a big deal in a really cool way like when you have jim gordon's uh shooting when he's shot the the transfer scene on its own gets like all my hairs start tingling i'm just sitting there like yes <laughs> I want, give me the truck flip I want to see the truck flip you know oh, I I have talks about the truck flip in my notes <laughs> I loved it I loved it has everyone seen this before yeah no 
Oh, I did the thing I said I wasn't going to do. Okay, I went. I right, hold back, hold back. No That's judgment. okay. I'm glad you watched yeah. it. Um. <laughs> Safe space. Um, so, Rachel, then, what did, what did you think of The Dark Knight? Okay. I'm actually, like, a bit concerned about my opinions. Um, so, yeah, I had never seen it before, and I realised that's, you know, quite a scandalous thing to say. And when I put it on my Instagram story that I was watching it for the first time, I did get quite a few messages from people being like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. I don't want to be your friend anymore. I wish I'd never met you. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, where, where do I begin? I don't want to be too scathing about it, right? Because... I did like it, um, but I think, okay, <laughs> I'm trying to think of where to begin. Um, I, I felt like it was really visually not impressive. I, I didn't like the way that it looked. I, it didn't, you know, excite me the way that it looked. I felt like it was just really bland, really flat, uh, really like one colour, like, just so boring to look at. And I, I I had been, like, led to believe that it was going to be, like, super, like, you know, jazzy, super exciting, sparkly, whatever. Uh, and it just, it didn't really hit the mark on that for me. And the more I kind of thought about it, the more I thought, well, maybe, you know, the background and, and, and you know, everything's so washed out to kind of draw attention to the Joker because obviously, like, he's super colourful. I thought there was quite a lot of times when he's the only point of real colour in the frame so I didn't know if maybe like they washed out the background or um to kind of make him stand out a bit more but um yeah it just felt a bit bland to me um and I think the I hated Batman's voice right okay so I'm coming at this having never seen any of these films before having very little knowledge of like Batman and things just that stupid voice just really really got my goat up I hated it I just thought I just thought it was stupid I understand he does it to like protect his identity or whatever but it just really annoyed me I hated it so yeah um what was I gonna say yeah I feel like the film would be nothing without Heath Ledger I mean obviously like he's absolutely incredible and I knew that coming into it that he was going to be like one of the best parts of it and obviously like his performance is just insane like his mannerisms just like micro expressions the intonations in his voice like everything about him is just absolutely ex- exceptional and I think he is the reason that I, I kind of liked it as much as I did because, you know, I maybe wasn't so uh, keen on other aspects of it. So, yeah, I feel like it was maybe just a bit too overhyped for me because um, I had been led to believe that it was going to be like this insane, like, cinematic event and I was going to have no choice but to love it. And I just kind of didn't. It just fell a bit short for me. And I realise you guys probably really disagree with me on that, but that's okay. <laughs> Nah, speak your truth. Like, yeah. I agree with Thanks. you on most of those things. Um, does anybody want to go first? Yeah, I yeah. would Roast me. say that I watched this film when it came out in the cinema. I was like, yes, amazing, fantastic, loved it for a long time. Um, then started to fall, went to see it when they really released it in August or September. And I must have thought to myself, Christ, this is a long film at least four times. I think it is ridiculously <laughs> overhyped and overrated. I think it is pretty bland, like Richard was saying. I disagree with you. I think Heath Ledger's Joker is ridiculously overrated. I think he hams it up all over the joint and it does not fit in the context with the rest of the film. Um, we, we had a discussion about this, me and Aaron, on the podcast mm, yeah. for the episode oh tonight. 
Um, I think he plays it too high. He's too intense for what's supposed to be happening around about him. And I get that that's maybe the point. The Joker's supposed to be this, you know, otherworldly, other character. But it just doesn't. It just doesn't gel with the rest of the scenery. What's happening in any of the scenes he's in. Um, Christian Bale's not the best Batman. I like Christian Bale, but representing Michael Keaton here, he'll forever be Batman. Uh, and I just I think it's probably as it skims by being the best Batman in the, in the Dark Knight trilogy, just above Batman Begins. But loved it when it first came out. Watching it through eyes now, as it um, it's, yeah, it's pretty boring. I'm, there's some good. Nolan's very good at being technically proficient. But he's not great at doing other stuff, and I need story. I need believability from my characters to keep me engaged. I don't need IMAX shots and fancy chases. I need to. I need to believe in my characters, <laughs> and I didn't really care that they were trying to out Bruce Wayne as Batman. I didn't really care that um, it's like Heath Ledger was just being the Joker for the sake of being the Joker. Um, I felt like that was a bit of a um, bit of a cop out. I, I feel as if he needed. Oh, I'm going to be an anarchist because anarchy. Ah, that sounds a bit right. Let's go, and then we have a film. And I just, <laughs> yeah, I feel as if they wasted Two Face as well. Um, that should have been a build for another film, but I think he, Nolan just tried to put too much in this film to make it a an epic. He tried to have his trilogy in this one film, and I just, I think at the time, mm-hmm. and I, I believed in the hype, and I was like, yes, let's go. This is amazing. Um, but now, you know, 10, 12, what, 13 years later now, seen it again in the cinema last year, Boar City. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, I bet you managed to be more divisive than me there, so that was great. Yeah. <laughs> Aiden? Um, uh, right, well, when, one thing I would say with um, the uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing at these comments. Uh, literally, all just... my friends here. Everybody, say hi to Neve. Hey, Neve. She's hi. my she's my cinema buddy, and we experienced both Midsummer and Hereditary together. Oh, good. Uh... How unfortunate for you. Hereditary oh, I fucking love the both of them. I love the both of them. I wasn't so big on Midsummer, but Hereditary, I did really, really like. Um... Anyway, sorry. I just thought we needed to have a lot of them. <laughs> so. When it comes to visually, when you were talking about the kind of blandness of it, what I kind of took from that is that it was taking the it 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 refused to be the big sparkly like superhero movie like something that we spent an hour and a half moaning about Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, which was all trying to be colour, but it had no substance to it at all. It was just like flashy eighties. We are wearing knee high socks and and our hair's big and crazy. You know, like that that was all that was there for. Me twenty four seven. It seemed to be taking the kind of styling from uh, uh I, I I saw bits of maybe like heat in it, Michael Mann's heat, where it was like basically everything about it except from title was like if you you like I said, take Batman out of this. This I think this is a decent thriller on its own. Um yeah, like, but that that is mm. one of the issues. Like, well, well, I, I agree. well, obviously, you need to rework it a little bit because obviously, it doesn't like this whole guy <laughs> that's getting his, his things based on flipping a coin. That's not really going to fly exactly in a normal thriller setting. Um, but yeah, there's there's just there's something. I, I just I'm finding it hard to articulate. I think it's a very <laughs> easy thing to bash now because we've had 13 years at this movie being touted as 
the best superhero movie, the movie that saved the superhero genre. I've it's, never said that. Right, aye, but that's that's you. You 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 don't say anything the best unless it's you know. Do not hit me with that. The best superhero movie of all time will forever be Blade Two. Don't even come at me. Yeah, I've that said is... that to me before. <laughs> I've never seen Blade Two. I've seen Blade yeah. One. There's a lot of fist pumps and all this. Yeah, well, they'll talk about X Blade Two. How can you not? How can you not even <laughs> be laughing that up? Uh, but yeah, like. Uh, Eva Cat McLean says here, like so many films have tried to copy that gritty dark night filter, and I think that's right. I think that's where this movie can s- seem unassuming, and it kind of goes into something that I was talking about in the episode that's coming out tonight. We were talking controversial film opinions, and we were talking about. I, I made some. I will make some statements if you if you listen to it later today about <laughs> older movies, like accepting what is good about them and stuff like that. And obviously, you have to accept influence, but then those can be applied to movies that aren't actually old and i think the dark knight it's only uh, like i was saying only 13 years old but that is something that is so massively influenced an entire subgenre of cinema that has dominated cinema as well in a way obviously marvel movies have moved away they aren't like that anymore really and i don't like but i just think that a lot of these kind of films needed the dark knight and and films are still trying to emulate it to this day but looking back then at the time and when I saw it as well, like I, I liked Batman Begins. I didn't I feel like I didn't quite get it. I was maybe two years, I was like nine or something when Batman Begins came out. And when the Dark Knight came out, it was my gran randomly messaged my mum or something was like I'd like to take the boys to the cinema. Do what do you want to see? The Mummy Aww. Rise of the Dragon or the Dark Knight? And I was like, let's go and see the Dark Knight. Oh Batman. Oh, yeah. And I had no idea. And it it, it actually it you sounded actually, like that when you were nine, did you? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I was doing my best. That Batman was his voice. Batman voice. If you haven't seen, if you haven't seen the first one, Rachel, Batman Begins is an excellent bit where he's interrogating this guy, and he's get, he's like, uh, I swear to God, I've never done this ever, and he just goes, swear to me, and it's the best thing ever. And his wee lips are pouting. It's incredible, but um, yeah, <laughs> Monroe's saying Dark Knight was a curse to the film industry, and I think that's kind of true in a way i can see how you would be you could you could argue that but when i went to see that i was expecting the wacky goofy stupid kind of thing that we usually get although even though batman begins wasn't really like that i just went into it with no expectation i don't even think i'd seen a trailer and then i was watching batman beat the living shit out of the joker and it's like every punch has a thud that goes through your whole body because there's a very loud cinema experience as well and then it's it it was moments like that that shocked me and i was like this isn't what i was expecting this is not what i'm used to see and you're kind of at that angsty age i was like 12 or 13 i'm like oh i want edge i want dark i want gritty you know and that's what i was getting from this movie and then when that truck flips as well oh boy that was like that that uh, yeah that gets me like honestly it's like i take take a breath and it's like Every time it happens, every single time I watch that scene, the sound design and everything about it and how it goes in complete silence. And obviously, that's another thing. It's been done to death because of it, but that's because it's the best. And that's... I'm I'm shouting now. (laughs) 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 But I do think this is what I'm talking about. If someone hypes Batman uh, The Dark Knight up too much, I'll be like, ah, mate, calm yourself there. But now now that I'm hearing people say it's it's overrated, I'm like, no. (laughs) Get away, mate. But I, 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 I think I need to remind myself every now and again about how good the Dark Knight, Dark Knight is. Almost said the Dark Knight Rises, uh, 
but I, I need to remind myself <laughs> of how good it is because I do fall into that. Oh, it's a wee bit overrated, but I think it. I don't think it deserves to be in this top ten list, but I think it it, mm. it does deserve some of the praise that it gets. So there we go. I'm gonna talk really quick about it because okay. um, <clears throat> we've still got a lot to go on. Um, <laughs> shout out to Astra, by the way, who said that um, George Clooney Batnaps was your favourite. Because um, oh, yeah. that made me laugh. <laughs> um, so the dark night. I grew up in a household where DC was king. Um, my dad reads the Batman comics. He like still plays. Um, the Arkham I don't games. know the Arkham games. Like they were a big deal. And and my uncle, he's an artist, so he was always drawing like his own version of Batman and stuff. So I grew up, and I was still. I'm DC over Marvel. I don't care. Um, and I watched this when I was younger, when it came out in the DVD release, because I would have fucked sitting in the cinema to watch it, because I was super young. Um, so I haven't watched it in a while. Sat down to watch it, was bell buzzing about it, because um, I love Heath Ledger, because I think his Joker's great. Sorry, Brian. Um, <laughs> and I truly I agree with Rachel. He was the thing that held up this film for me. Him and Maggie Gyllenhaal. I love her with all my heart. Everything she's in, mm. um, she takes the cake. Um, and yeah, uh, the truck flip for me didn't impress me in the film, but I watched the behind the scenes. And for people listening, what they did was um, they... Oh, it's so perfect because I love miniatures and stuff and I watch people making replicas from films but tiny um, so what they did was they shot that scene as much as they could without the crash and then they, they downscaled and made replicas of uh, the Batmobile and the van and they had this smooth transition where they used basically like RV cars or RC cars um, to crash and flip this truck and that was what like took it for me. Um, I don't really appreciate the scene in the film, but I love the filmmaking behind it. Mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't vibe with him. Um, <laughs> as Brian would say, um, <laughs> it, he doesn't slap. Um, for Brian me. would say that. <laughs> Such a um, Brian thing to say. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I felt like there was part of this films that were sick. I love the Joker. And I think the way he is in the scenes is because he's in this sort of manic thing. And I don't want to be that 13-year-old Erin that was pure obsessed with Harley Quinn, right? But I do. I love Harley Quinn and I love the Joker <laughs> as characters. The Joker has faults. Um, and mm. I'm not going to talk about the feminism and shit like that. But... um. Dark Knight, I think, deserves to be up there in this list. Oh. Um, um, I will say, with the mentioning Maggie Gyllenhaal, that scene with the, the, the two rooms and the bombs, that perfect. That hit me so hard. That was good. I, I was genuinely like, when he battles through the door and he sees Harvey Dent, and then it's just the yep. look in her face when he's screaming, saying like no why did you come for me yeah. that's heartbreaking and that like i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it right now maybe it does deserve to be in this list what am i talking about <laughs> off the list. Um, you can hype me up. <laughs> no i think as well respectively with what you were saying about it changed cinema like how the cinema viewed action films and superhero films for a while i think that's another reason why it deserves to be up there because it did and marvel would not be where they are today 
if it wasn't for Batman. <laughs> um, and the other thing I want to say quickly, there was something else I was thinking about it as well. It might. Oh Jesus! That scene with Harvey Dent when he turns around, you see his burnt face for the first time. Mm. Very nice. Um, and then when the Joker comes in, and the and he takes off his mask, and then Harvey oh. Dent realizes it's a Joker. Oh. That's not. It's stupid. It shouldn't happen. Uh, it was like, well, yeah, at, I totally agree. Nos, look at this nose with really bad makeup, you know, with the <laughs> like, over-the-top eyeshadow yeah. and all this, and then, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Harvey Dent's delay is worse than Rachel's. Like, <laughs> it was... It just... Anyway, my quick ramble about The Dark Knight yeah. turned into a long one, but anyway, yeah, that's how I feel. I think is, I think as well, like, I do, to mention Heath Ledger, I, I, I absolutely adore him in this movie because... It was one of those things, cringy little Aaron when he was a teenager, been like trying to recite his scenes, you know. And I, loved, I, 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 just, I, I just, I loved these monologues. I thought they were incredible. And then he, every scene that he's in, you're just like attention entirely. All yep. your attention's towards him. I think he's so commanding. Every, yeah. It's just, it's just incredible. He's so commanding. He yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's insane how good I think he is in these mo- in this movie. Sorry. Um, I would have been interested to see how it played out yeah. if he if he was obviously still alive for the the third mm-hmm. movie. Um, and mm-hmm. to to address what uh, Kirsty was saying there, what happened to Joseph Gordon Levitt as Robin? I think I would have probably quite liked that. Yeah, I have a soft spot for Joseph Gordon Levitt yeah. so much. Um, oh, same. Like <laughs> I was really excited because the first list I looked up for this Inception was on it, and I've never seen it, but I love. <gasps> Um, I love Elliot Page. I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, and I was ready to to watch it. And then Aaron ruined my dreams and told me I did have to watch all three Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get we'll just get you in another time. I'm like, here's a list of 23 hour movies that you need to watch for three days time, please. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Is uh, does anyone else want to to say anything about the Dark Knight? Are we no. all good? And I'm going to hit it with the infamous small bladder and go to the toilet once again. Jesus Christ! I have told you, I've only drank. I'm only on. It's like half of my second can is still here. I'm barely. Oh no, drink. I'm the same though. It's like, I, I'd be the same. I think it's literally just. I could drink twice as much water, but it's just alcohol or cider just straight through me. So. If if you need a, a moment to take a slight break, I think I actually have a be right back screen. If if you want to take a quick break before, uh, before we move on to the final three, I'm happy want... sitting here talking about your bladder while you're not not here. <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> Broke this up early. Casey's saying ah, that is a very bad move. I shall be back momentarily. I look forward to it. God bless him. He's so excited. <laughs> Um, my family have got a Chinese downstairs and I can smell it. Nice. And I haven't eaten dinner. <gasps> I don't like Chinese food, so that doesn't have any sort of... I respect that you <laughs> had the gumption to say that on live stream. <laughs> I know. I get flat. I know. So. I, can, I can kind of understand it. But also, I worked in the Chinese for two years, so... Yeah. Um. Anyway... <laughs> If it's not seasonless chicken and plain rice, I'm not interested. <laughs> if it's not got the gains for Brian, it doesn't matter <laughs> <have to> either. <laughs> exactly. 
Without that context, that was a very bold thing to say on live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see how people are ranking these next three films. What is the... It's going to be controversy. Ooh. What's the next one? It's I've Godfather Part 2. Oops. Oh, what, did you not watch it? Um, I'll wait till Aaron's back for Ms. PP break. Yeah. <laughs> that says all you need to know. I don't know. I can't even remember what number. Oh, no, wait. Oh, it doesn't matter. No spoilers. Um. Oh, shout out to the. Oh, thanks, Eva. They're, um, they're ghost face earrings with a little knife um <gasps> oh cool because i'm going through a scream phase and i have this really cool print by a girl on instagram her name's sad pig go follow her um and it's ghost face mm. and he's saying no you hang up first um yeah i'm, <laughs> I'm really into my scream phase right now what did you say her instagram is um it's sad pig if you can't find her i'll send her to you she does really cool stuff. Amazing. Right. Awesome. Are we ready to go? Is that you I'm back, Aiden? That's me. Emptied the bladder. Are we, we pee-pee for Aiden? Are we pee- <laughs> <laughs> I need my wee pee-pee breaks. <laughs> pee-pee break. <laughs> it's because I usually, sit, I, I, I usually, when we're doing the podcast, because I know how I am, I, I'll take the water and I'll just be like, like wee sips. We yeah. fight sips when we're, we're, we're recording, but this, you know, glugging back. Not exactly glugging. <laughs> two cans across about two hours. But anyway, I'm excited for this one. I think we should possibly... Uh, I think this is a bit of an awkward order because you get the first movie then. It's the second movie then, the first movie. So do we want to just talk about The Godfather collectively? Um, no. As, no? No. <laughs> two very different movies it's not like it's not like a, a yeah can we talk about the godfather can we talk about the godfather one first? Oh. do you want to talk um, about the godfather one first then and then lead on to the second because i feel like a lot of my thoughts on part two are going to be in relation to part I one i feel like none of my thoughts on part two are in relation to part one yeah okay okay, okay. um <laughs> Okay, we'll, we'll start, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, look, fuck it, we're starting, wait, we'll start with one, and then we'll uh, go good. off, babes. Yeah. <laughs> Ten to four, then two, three, one. Good <laughs> on. Uh, that's it. We make up the rules. Um, so yeah, uh, The Godfather uh, sits at number two. It's a 9.1 on the Richter scale, and we're, um, that was a joke, by the way, obviously. Um <laughs> <laughs> just in case people think it's not funny if you need to clarify it Aaron uh, just in case because then I feel like I just like the, the, there'd be the comments coming in and be like does this guy think that the IMDB scale is actually called that but um, <laughs> Godfather 1 I saw a long time ago a couple of them and uh, Light I don't know if I'd say like I loved them back then I, I did enjoy so then when I went to watch it this time um, it was the same kind of deal as uh, 12 Angry Men. It's like sitting down, maybe kind of looking at your phone, but then it's like you notice and like something intense is happening here. Some performances are going down and then I'm sitting on the edge of my seat and I'm watching and mm-hmm. it keeps going and I feel like the the um, 
there's such a there's such a simple story at work. It's weird. It's like simple, but also like there's a lot of moving parts in the first movie that work really well because at its core, obviously, is the the the, the character arc of Michael Corleone, who is obviously meant to be the, the the straight and narrow guy out of the Corleone family. He's the only one that's not went into the business, but it's always talking about like your father's got big plans for you, and he's like, no, nah, but I'm going to live my own life. I want to make my own decisions, and I think that's that like it's great. I want to say Al Pacino. I'm not. I'm not gonna say I've seen a million of his movies, but out of them all, this is probably the best performance I've ever seen because I didn't see Al Pacino in this movie. I saw Michael Corleone, and that's something rare from anything I've seen from him in the past twenty, thirty years. In my opinion, I think he he likes to impart himself too much into his characters because he's always loud and shouting and going crazy, and the hair's going all over the place and all this kind of stuff. But here, it was like very reserved and quiet, and I think. From what we get into in part mm. two, you get a little bit closer to 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 maybe a bit of Al Pacino, but not quite. But uh, I I loved I loved the 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 development of this character because it's just like when it comes down to it, things start to happen. Things start to unravel when he's like, okay, right, I'll do this. Okay, right, I'll do this. And next thing, he's in, he's involved. And I, it, it, for me, the, it was perfectly written in the point where his his dad's in the hospital and there's no guards. And then he comes in and he just kind of jumps to action. He's moving things about and he meets the guy. He was like the baker or something comes in. And it's it's the scene where that guy's like, he's like, put your collar up. And he realizes he's trying to make me look like a, a gangster to, to guard this guy. And there's the people going driving by and he tries to light his fag, but his, his hands are shaking so much. But then Michael goes to do it and he realizes his hands are dead still. And it's like, he knows deep down he's made for this kind of business as much as he doesn't want to admit it. And I love that so much and all of that building up obviously to the final the final shot. I think the final shot is incredibly powerful where you have Diane Keaton sitting in the hallway and you see the door close behind her. It's like, that's it. It's almost like he's closed his door on that old innocent life of his for something obviously crime ridden and all that kind of stuff. And Marlon Brando, oh, man. I genuinely <clears> think <throat> it might be one of the best performances I've ever See, I just think there's just something about this. He, he, he entirely takes the. You get the age behind him. You see that it's almost like the the respect that he demands is just like dripping off of his performances. He's, he, he's so incredible, and it's like the bits obviously it's kind of meme to death at this point. It's like look what they did to my boy, they they massacred my boy, whatever you know, bits like that. But it's like when you're watching the movie and you're in the moment, those bits are so good, they're so heartfelt, and I think when his death. Is, is one of the, like, I, I just, I, I think it's such a weirdly nice scene because he's just playing with his grandson and he's just, it's it's in these little orange garden, I don't know if it was, it was tomato garden or whatever, and then he just, he just dies in there and I think, I think it's brilliant. So I, I really, really enjoy this movie. I think it's pretty close to perfect in my opinion and I didn't expect to love it as much as I did, to be honest. Um, who's up? <laughs> <laughs> Did everybody hate this movie? I mean, <laughs> I'll right? wait to see if Rachel yeah. goes first. Right, I'll let I'll let Rachel go, and then I'll I'll chat some shit. Right. <clears throat> okay, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna speak, and I'm gonna you know I realise that what I'm about to say is probably sacrilege, and you know <laughs> um, my DMs are open. Come and fight me and tell me that I'm a terrible person, and I don't understand cinema. <laughs> 
I really didn't like it. I thought it was extremely boring. Um, I couldn't get into it whatsoever. I really didn't like Marlon Brando's performance in it. Um, whatever was going on with his his mouth, jaw, face area was just really like pulled me out of it. Like I just didn't I didn't buy it whatsoever. It, it just was, like, really was really off putting. They stuffed his cheeks with cotton, I think. Uh-huh. You Sorry. could tell. I just, I just, I just. No, you're fine. I just couldn't buy it. I just couldn't get into it. Uh, I wasn't compelled by it. Uh, obviously, you know, nobody's really very likable in it. Uh, obviously, that's not like a prerequisite for like a film to be good. But I just didn't feel a connection with anybody in it. Um, it was so dark, like visually. I was like, I can't see what's going on, uh, and that just like totally dragged me down. Um, I agree with you, Aaron, that the framing of the final scene was really good. I really, I did really like that. That was maybe like the only thing about it that I did like. <laughs> uh, but I think my biggest kind of issue with it, what like not not to be that guy, but was just the way that women were represented yeah. in it. That just mm-hmm. really, really didn't sit right with me. I I hated that because mm-hmm. um, obviously there's not really very many women represented in it anyway, and all the ones that are are just there as you know tools for men or to be objectified or to be beaten. And I thought that's that scene where the the sister uh, where her husband was beating her with the belt was just way mm-hmm. too much. And like there's ways to tell the or there's, yeah there's ways to tell your audience that your character is absolutely deplorable without you know showing them being a woman with a belt mm-hmm. and it's just you know what watching it as a woman and maybe watching it as a modern woman I don't know but just when the the people that look like you on screen are treated in the way that they were in that film it's just yeah it just didn't sit right with me and and maybe that's just an era thing, but I don't know if you can really like excuse it on that grounds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I realise that I might have just said things that are quite divisive, but yeah, I thought it was boring and I just didn't like it, and I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I think I think to like again, I I can understand why it would would come across as boring because it is a long like gangster movie that isn't a gangster movie really because it's like people might go into mm-hmm. gangsters movies expecting big shootouts and and you know like hunters of tommy guns and all this but you don't really get that in this movie it's about the quiet conversations and the back and forth meetings and it's all about like the you know like these guys it's like the favors and all this kind of stuff like that so it isn't it isn't mm-hmm. that kind of traditional sense of gangster movie and it's three hours long and I get a hundred percent get yeah. what you're talking about with the with the the representation of women because it is something that kind of crossed my mind in the ten- sense of like there there's only what two or three women you get Diane Keaton as Kay, uh, Connie the sister. Mm-hmm. Is is that it? And then it's, the one that he Apollonia and the, the one in in Italy. Oh yeah, and the, the one in Italy as well. And I yeah. think I think that is that is something to address, and I think it's fair to address it as well, obviously, because yeah, y- you could you can argue that it's something made in the 70s but it also you're watching it through a 2021 lens i think you can argue either of those but like at the same time it's like i literally watched a harry hill tv burp clip today to compare it to this which is i'm sure a great comparison but i watched a harry hill tv burp clip today and he made it was like making jokes and you know it's really really stupid comedy and i was like i love that and I, i i i think it's really funny but then bits came into it and i was like ah right that's it's not funny anymore, you know? And I think I think that's the, mm-hmm. the, the same thing. I think there's something to be said maybe about the portrayal, maybe potentially what that life is, is, is you know, 
the get the gangster mafia were kind of like possibly in the way that they treated their women because it is mm. a very like we are the most important people in the world you know what we're doing is it, like it's all retained around this because as it continues on i haven't seen the third movie but going on to the second it's like this guy's shutting out every part where eventually michael does become like all of those other guys when he finally hits k at the end of the second movie so mm-hmm. it's a weird it's a weird kind of balancing act between like saying what what it potentially could have been like for these guys and the way that these people are brought up and the way that they perceived how they're like the most powerful people in the world but then to have someone that's supposed to be intimately close with them talking to them in a way like people don't talk to me like this you know you can't tell me what to do because everyone else commands respect for you know I, I, i demand respect from everyone else so why shouldn't i from you kind of thing and i think that is there's something there but it is yeah it's it's kind of difficult thing to 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 counter do you want to erin are you wanting to go on yeah so um i'm gonna respond to some of the comments we've been getting in the stream in a second mm-hmm. um i'm gonna be honest i watched an hour and a quarter of this film and then fell asleep um and then i didn't watch the second film but that's on me so uh respectfully i'm not gonna talk about the cinematography or anything um except from the fact when i started the film i was like i recognize this why do i recognize this and it's because that's how the rugrats in paris starts off they do a parody um and it is perfect absolutely perfect right so um uh, that is the best thing i've ever heard in my life (laughs) honestly look up the intro to rugrats in paris uh it's great um so I like violent. I can deal with glo- like gory. Um, I appreciate that Rachel felt like that with the women being beat. Um, I appreciate they're trying to represent a time. Um, as someone said, um, it's a film though. Women are portrayed that way in the film because that's how they were treated, is it not? That's how women were treated. But me and Rachel, as 21, 22-year-old women, uh, don't need to constantly be reminded that um, yeah we're not seen to that extent that it happens um, commonly now maybe I don't know how I'm wording this, how it sounds um, to show that in films it's usually just uh, construed that way um, even though it did happen back then someone else said um, I, don't need to, I don't think you need to show everything uh, there are scenes that can be cut and you know what's going on um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I kind of agree, I also agree that sometimes maybe you do need to see a little bit of that for shock factor but we're watching The Godfather, it's a gangster film, people are mm-hmm. getting shot here people are getting shot there um, I don't need to be reminded that um, my gender is lesser because I can't yield a gun and I can't uh, fuck women here and fuck women there and I can drink this and that so I don't know, mm-hmm. I kind of agree um, about the women representation and because I'm not going to talk about The Godfather Part 2 because I didn't watch it um, I'm going to talk a little bit about how I feel about the top 10 list in general okay. um, there are no women directors on the list um and this is a list that's been compiled for years as it looks and we've talked about the time range there's no there's no women directors and also um uh correct me if i'm wrong 
uh, Godfather Part 2 doesn't have a black male character, lead character, does it? No. So two, two of these top ten films have black characters um, of importance mm-hmm. um, represented in very different ways. So I just want to keep that bearing in mind um we're dealing with a lot of situations here. We went from Schindler's List, we went to The Shire, uh, we went to what we're going to talk about, Prison Shawshank. Um, I don't know. I just think it's good to keep in mind that these films, when they were made at the time, it was maybe okay to show that and to have these things, but we're now in a progressive world um, that's unfortunate that it's had to take this long for uh, the, the, the cinemas and the filmmakers to realise... Um, why aren't we representing people that we walk beside in everyday life? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's that's me on that. And it's just because I can't talk about The Godfather 2. But I will say to Brian that I'm going to give it another shot um, <laughs> because I do truly believe that it has something there. Um, and I will watch The Godfather 2 because I know that it's meant to get better. So, well, that's... What, what did you well, think of Marlon Brando when you saw it? Just quickly, did you like him or not? Me? Aye. Oh, I thought he was sick. I liked his. <laughs> do you know? I know that he looks. I knew. I know that to Rachel it was distracting his big fucking cheeks, right? But I also think, oh my, <laughs> we hamster. But I also think, oh my god, he's. I, I appreciate people that wear prosthetics for films, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that must have been grueling his mouth mm, so sure. fucking dry. Um, but yeah, I I thought he played his character really good, and then to see him deteriorate and go into hospital is a really interesting way to show that story because they could have just shot him and he died. You know, he died in this big shootout. But he's decided to, you know, um, well, he's not decided. He's stayed alive. <laughs> no, and then... I will not die. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, son, I'm not dying today. Um, so, yeah, um, I think it's interesting as well just to say that um, I'm assuming the person in the comments said um, that it's the film and that's how women were treated. Uh, could possibly be male, could possibly be non-binary, but I think it's important to keep in mind that um, as female presenting watching it, it's it's a hard watch for those reasons. Um, but hats yeah. off to the people that actually watched it, and I'm just going to sit back here. <laughs> um, and thanks for letting me have my rant. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I will say about The Godfather, I think it is, and this is going to be a bold statement here because I know I've still got films to go, it is the most perfect film that has ever been constructed. Every single frame is 100% justifiable. I think the scene that you're talking about where Connie gets beaten is very impactful because they're showing a mirror and it's putting a mirror up to Sonny because that is how he treats other people in his life and to see it so close to his home. And that also leads to the repercussions for him getting assassinated. So you can't have that impact of Sonny getting assassinated without the repercussions of Carlo beating up Connie. I'm just going to pop in and say that I respect that and that in context of the story I did say it was important because Lockie's piping up again and that <laughs> I agree with you um, So I know it's a particularly barbaric scene there are, there are horrible scenes throughout the cinema mm-hmm. but I think in the context of this let's not forget this was set in post-war America 1940-70-50 roughly where different demographics and different genders were treated very differently, very harshly especially in a macho world like Italian-Americans showing up um, in the in the mafia scene, 
I think every single, uh, 100%, I think this film is perfection. I think it is the best ensemble cast in history. I do not see um, uh, Marlon Brando. I don't see Al Pacino. Robert Duvall plays his role as um, Tom Hagen exceptionally well. Jim, Jimmy Can, James Can disappears into Sunny, and you don't have these actors playing these roles. You have these people. And me and Aaron, I talk about this quite a lot on the podcast. This is the absolute antithesis, the peak of that that um, the period in Hollywood where you had the performative acting of the golden era from the fifties, and then you had the what has become acting now. You had the stage actors. And then you had the realism, and then there was a slight crossover of a few years like this, like Midnight Cowboy, like Al Pacino again, and Dog Day Afternoon, which is, sorry, Aaron, his best role. Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon is phenomenal. I haven't but seen you it. Have this point so... where these guys are no longer acting, but they're no longer themselves. They are the characters on screen, and every single frame of this film portrays that to perfection. They, Francis Ford Coppola changed the way they made movies. It's only happened a handful of times in history. People started making movies differently once The Godfather came out, and that is the impact it had on cinema. Because all of a sudden, he was getting flack. You no, know, I don't want to cast Al Pacino. He's too small and too wiry. Look what he can do. No, they, they were getting rushes back every day. It's too dark. Nobody's going to watch this. Sit in a cinema and watch this film. You can't see what's happening. And then it exploded. It is perfection on screen i could go on quite longer marlon brando is the best screen actor that has ever existed and ever will i'll say it to the day <laughs> i die um and the has <laughs> see him the siblings sunny and john Cazale. a lot of people overlook him as fredo he's not as big a part in this film as the second one but the the sibling relationships and the sibling rivalry and, and everybody vying for the uh, Vito's affections, they just play it so naturally and so well and it's like, it just feels like a, a, a kinda, not that I know what it feels like, but an Italian-American family you have um, Clemenza you have Tessio, the kind of the captains of the, the Corleone family and they are cast to perfection as well I'm never at one point in this entire film that I ever think this guy's acting, this looks like they've pulled um, uh, Clemenza and Tessio off the street and stuck them in front of a camera and they're soon right, just see what you would say in this the, this um, predicament of this situation that's what um, what's his face, um, Luca Brasi he was a gangster and that was the whole thing with him re- re- reading his lines um, Francis Ford Coppola thought that was you know, endearing when he's uh, Don Corleone, I'm so happy to blah 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 and that was what he was actually doing on set and he's like let's put that in the film because it was just Aww. a gangster and um, I just I don't think it gets enough credit, which is a silly thing, silly thing to say. But this is even though I was joking a little bit, the good, the bad, and ugly. I don't think he gets cinema that is better than The Godfather. What? What's your? What's your? I think your beard is hitting the mic. I respect way. that. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Do you know what? <laughs> I love watching people and listening to people talk about things they love, <laughs> and my heart just so free yeah, there. Yeah. No. I. I love and also yeah no I totally respect that that's how you've seen that scene and I agree that it's important and I love I could listen to you talk about the Godfather for fucking hours that's so lovely (laughs) and I will give it another watch I promise I I think just to quickly chime in as well about like when it comes to obviously like the 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 kind of hostility of of the, the the male characters in these movies I always see something like this with with the Godfather is quite a lot about the like the insecurities of these guys because they're in such a hostile environment it's kind of like um 
what am I trying to say? Like, what, what, no, not wolves. Like alphas and stuff like that. Like showing alpha. Like you show, you show a little bit of weakness. You get shocked. You know, like because that was the thing when when it comes to like Michael Corleone finally being like the Godfather. Everyone sees that as a sign of weakness. Oh right, Sonny. Everyone thought Sonny was going to be the guy. Sonny's deed. Fredo's a wee wimp. And it's so like we have Michael here who wasn't even going to be a part of this. Now we have a guy that wasn't. Like they see that as a sign of weakness because they don't know what they they can do. So it's all about kind of. These guys been like, no, I can't. It's it, it's constantly pushing forward, never retreating kind of thing. And I think the way that is, because I think Sonny's <laughs> like that as well. Because you see, he's he's a hypocrite at, at some point because he, he absolutely beats the shit out of that guy for beating his sister, but then does it himself kind of thing. Yep. So it, it, it is like, <laughs> the, the, there's the kind of mentality, I think that they've been, I don't know whether they meant to address it or like, I, I'd like to think that they did with this kind of thing because it did change the it does change from the the way like if you look at films in like maybe the 60s 70s all the way through you know that you get the macho man and i don't really think anyone like sonny tries to be the macho man but i don't really think there are macho men in this film and i don't know if if, if anyone else would really, would agree with me on that but it is it's 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 it's, it's well obviously it's taken up a lot of our time talking about this because i think yeah. it's, a, it's a great talking point with this movie I will to... say though, I think I think I've, I um I disagree with you on one point in the Michael Corleone um story. Right. I don't think he become. I don't think he joins. Um, he does. He doesn't become the the next in line to be the Godfather until Apollonia gets blown up in the car. That's when Michael Corleone dies, and the soon to be Godfather is born. Because that is the last time he smiles or laughs is when he's in Sicily. And that is the last mm-hmm. time you see the Michael Corleone that was with Kate at the wind at the beginning. And it is when she dies. And that is the not when uh, not when Vio gets shot. Because that's that's just part of that life. It's part and parcel of what comes with being in the mafia. It's when the only woman that he feels full, like one hundred percent affection and love for gets blown up for something that was meant for him. That's when he decides he's he needs to be in this life. That's when that's when Michael Corleone dies and, and the new Don Vito is bomb. But that's just that's just my take on it. <laughs> um, so to continue from one godfather to the next, <laughs> to, to steamroll this, I'm going to try and be quick, quick and say that I didn't like this movie. I didn't like the second movie. I thought it lost that simple storyline for me because, you know, it's all about the falling of one head of an empire and the rising of another. This one is... The constant, the, the it's supposed to be the upward trajectory, trajectory, ugh, can't even say it, of of Michael Corleone, and I think it's very muddled in comparison. It 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 makes a mistake, and I know there was a lot of production issues with getting actors on and all this kind of stuff with this movie. I think it makes a mistake and not continuing on the line of some characters that possibly were there in the first movie. I think that would have made it a lot more impactful because I know the role of a, uh, I can always forget his name, like Pata. Chin. The guy, the guy that's uh, the guy that's trying to sue him, uh, or the guy that's making a statement against him in court. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was supposed to be Clemenza, and I think that would have been a far, far more emotionally impactful uh, story had it been Clemenza, because Clemenza's like part of the home of the Corleone family. Yeah, and the because he's always sitting there and he's cooking meals, and he's always talking about like all this kind of stuff. And I just felt like it kind of went on. It kind of, I, I didn't see characters that I needed to see. The story didn't really interest me the same. It started to get a lot of money. And then when it came to like the, 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 the courtroom stuff, it kind of felt like it just kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, okay, now it's a now it's a legal proceeding thing. It's like a legal drama for a wee bit. 
and and to be honest, I was I was glad when it finished because I just I just <laughs> didn't I didn't really enjoy much of anything about it. In all honesty, <laughs> sorry to be to be a, 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 a downer Aiden, after after speak praising your truth. after speak after your praising truth. The, the first movie so much to then just go nah. And I think it's because for so long I've heard like people go and obviously Brian said to me otherwise. But like I've heard a lot of people saying that the second Godfather is better than the first and. And then I came into this and I was like, nah, it's lacking. It's lacking something that, and I will also point out, I've watched the first hours of this movie about five times each time <laughs> I tried to watch it. And then I was like, something came up or I got bored or whatever. And I just never made it past the first hour. And it was funny because when I got to that past that hour, I was like, oh, here's a frame I don't recognize. Because <laughs> I just knew the beginning of that movie so well. But yeah, I, nah. <laughs> <laughs> aspect i i think it, i think it genuinely might be an aspect for me just because i just i can never see myself going back to this movie <laughs> yeah um i don't know about aspect i mean no sorry go rachel no sorry on you go i must be like super delayed <laughs> <laughs> that's fine um, love, love the delay I've, uh, I have I've heard everybody speak everybody that I've heard talking about this is like The Godfather Part 2 is the best film I will go on record and say I have never thought it was better than the first part um, it deteriorates with quality every time I see it I find it very boring I think they destroyed Tom Hagen made a monotone they destroyed Michael Corleone made a monotone every Fredo made a monotone took away all of the the pizzazz that these characters had in the first film that made them intertwine with each other and the relationships it just everything fell flat i don't understand the need for the young brando scenes other than to say hey bobby de niro's a good actor isn't he um i hated that <laughs> I, I, I just i don't like this I'm, i i understand from a technical standpoint and from a kind of legacy standpoint it is a great movie but i just don't enjoy it nothing i mean Coppola doesn't move the camera in the way he did in the first one. He doesn't like the scenes in the way. Some of the dialogue seems clunky. Like you said, it would have been much more fitting if it was Clemenza. I, the only thing I could think of in the entire Young Vito scenes was um, when they parody in The Simpsons, where it's Homer with a white suit and everybody's giving him donuts in the street. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, he goes on Homer and he goes, Grazie. And just eats the donuts and he's walking down the street. <laughs> all I could think of during the the young Vito, and I've never liked that, I've never thought Robert De Niro was exceptionally good as Vito Corleone, um, and I just I, I, I'll, I'll fight it to the day I die, I don't think this is anywhere near as good as the first one, you make this as a standalone mafia flick, and it falls down the rankings a lot, by a long way I think yeah. Legacy makes this film props this film up, and it's a shame because it's not, this is when Al Pacino should have been Dynamite. This is you know Al Pacino in between the Godfather Part One What's and stuff, <laughs> Panic in Middle Park or um, um, uh, Dog Day Afternoon, and it's just it's it's a shame because the, the worst the worst thing they did was with um, with Tom Hagen, and I, I think they just made him such a flat character in this film compared to the first one. Mate, trim that beard of yours. <laughs> Mate, grow a beard. Fuck's sake. <laughs> wow. Have me where it hurts. <laughs> um, who wants to go next? I oh, well, it'll be, it'll be, I, it'll be Ra- <laughs> It'll be Rachel. There you go. What do you think of this movie? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that speaks volumes. I'm going to go like the opposite way. 
<laughs> no, I'm gonna go the opposite way and say that like personally I found it like marginally better. But like I don't think my opinion on these films really counts for very much anyway because like I just they didn't really like I wasn't really invested in any of them. Mm. Um but yeah, I just felt it was slightly better in terms of just I think the fact that it was just brighter, that kind of like drew me in like slightly more and when I say slightly I mean like by like a minuscule amount um but yeah I just I mean I still just it, it was boring it was confusing I didn't I didn't know what was going on I don't think I could tell you one plot point from it um I can just feel like the 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 rage that's like coming from like the godfather fans everywhere um <laughs> but yeah I and, and I agree with what Brian was saying about in um, the 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 <laughs> the young uh, Vito scenes. I was actually really surprised to find out that uh, Robert De Niro won an Oscar for that because um, personally I, I just thought it was extremely one-dimensional. I didn't really you know, feel anything particularly about it. So yeah, slightly better than the first one um, but not by much and yeah, I didn't really like either of them to be honest. I, so I, I feel like I'm going to stop talking about them now. I feel like I've seen a lot better from Robert De Niro as well and it felt so segregated from that. Like I didn't, mm. it, uh, you know that way it's like it's kind of like what I was talking about with The Lord of the Rings. I'm sure if you were a massive, massive fan, like, I, I love the first movie, but I'm not, like, a godfather stan over here or anything like that. I, I just think, uh, going into that next one, I didn't see the need for it. I didn't see how it was tied to that. It was nice extra, if that's what you were looking for. Um, My dad was rattling on about that, how this used to be a tele... Like, that was a little television segment before. It, it, and it never used to be a part of the full movie or something like that. Is that do you know but anything the about young, that? The young, the young Don Vito scenes. Aye, like way back in the. Never, never heard that. Like, I don't know, but um, aye, he 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 was dead set in the fact that this was two separate things. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it 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 just, I don't know. I think I think as much as I said, I don't see how it had anything to do with it. I enjoyed those bits more than the main the main story story to be honest, because. I even had a hard hard time. It, it, it was that who's who. There's, there's a million characters. Everybody's popping up. And then, you know what really confused me? Yeah. Seeing, that, that. Old, seeing that old man in his little house watching the telly. And then next thing he's in Havana, living it up with the chest out and all this. And I was like, yeah. is that the same old man? And it took me ages to realise it was. I genuinely <laughs> thought it was a different guy. And to talk about the, the lighting as well, I had difficulty with this movie where I didn't in the first movie. Because I feel like it has that nice ambiance in the first film in terms of lighting. In the second one, there was bits where I was like, you need to dial it up in his face a wee bit. Or like, I'm actually having a bit of difficulty. Especially, I watched this during the day. So I was, I was like, even the slightest bit of glare. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> Who, who's doing what? Who's all this? I just I just didn't like that as much. But um, yeah, this this really didn't, really didn't do it for me. It didn't have that same character progression in the first movie that the first movie had. Because I... I like I was saying, I did. Mm -hmm. I did mention the fact that like Michael eventually becomes that dictator family member. He isn't for his sons and daughters. He isn't for his wife. He, he's just all business, all brass tacks and all this. And it's kind of like he doesn't. He doesn't care about his family. He doesn't care about the how they're feeling and all that. It, it's kind of like that that fascination with family that they have in the mafia. It's more he needs that because he can't be the he can't be the dawn if if he doesn't have a family. You know, oh, I'm the Don, but my 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 wife and kids left me because I was a wee dick. You know, 
it, that, it doesn't work for that. And I felt like that, you know, that was a progression, but it just wasn't anywhere near as much of a progression as it was in the first uh, in the first movie. And I just, I, it was quite, it was really quite disappointing, to be honest. Uh, yeah. And I like how it didn't, it put the intermission, like, well, I, I don't know, you would have been the same probably, like the intermission, but it done it like two hours in, rather than, it bugged me that it wasn't halfway. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> all right, now intermission, and then it's only like an hour left or something like that. But um, yeah, nah, I wasn't I wasn't really feeling this one. I wasn't vibing with this as much. No. I've, it I didn't slap. I've always <laughs> felt it's the Godfather part too. So. It, was a, it was a tap, it wasn't a slap. It was <laughs> <laughs> wasn't quite there. Um, so are we ready for the big dog? Rachel, is, that's, it's, it's the only reason she's here. It is literally the only yeah, reason. Yeah, genuinely. Um, number one, 9.2 Shawshank Redemption. What do you, do you want to just lead, lead this charge, Rachel? Okay. I'm just going to say, like, before I start talking, you all keep freezing for me, and I'm, I probably keep freezing for you. So at the moment, Aiden, you're the only one that's moving, so I can't see, like, anybody's, like, <laughs> reactions to what i'm saying so i've got no idea like if people are gonna agree with me or if i'm gonna need to like have some arguments but um yeah <laughs> shawshank is just in my opinion just like on another level it is one of my favorite films of all time i can watch it like over and over and over again never get bored of it i just think everything about it is absolutely perfect it is you know it's obviously quite a like big scale film but I feel like it doesn't get overwhelmed by that uh, and it's really really obviously character driven and is just bolstered by amazing performances I think everybody in it is just absolutely exceptional and I know I've maybe heard things about you know people think that Tim Robbins isn't very good but personally I think he just plays Andy so perfectly his performance is just like so measured so poised and then when you see him crack like that just makes it all the more kind of real and all the more authentic like um, just after the stuff that happens with Tommy like that's kind of the first time that you really see the kind of toll all these years have taken on him because obviously like you know that from the beginning this is weighed so heavily on him because you know he's an innocent man uh, he shouldn't be in there in the first place but yeah after the stuff that happens with Tommy you know he gets that kind of taste of 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 the, of the fact that you know i could actually get out here you know people might finally believe that, that i am innocent uh, and then obviously all that just gets ripped away from him and then you really do see him crack after that so yeah i just think everything about it is absolutely perfect uh, just the way it's shot the way it's written directed acted score just it, it, it blows me away every time I watch it. Um, I just, I think the pacing in it's really good. You know, it spans the years really well. Um, you know, it's got adequate, like, bits of action, but, you know, it's also got those kind of more quiet, uh, kind of contemplative uh, sequences as well to kind of just coast you through uh, really nicely, I think. Um, yeah, there's so much more I could say about it. I don't want to say too much about it, but there's just, like, little things as well, like with the embroidery over the safe um, about, like, his judgment cometh or something like that, which is, like, foreshadowing of the fact that, like, the, the warden's judgment is, like, all contained within that very safe mm. uh, and just the, the fact that the rock hammer is hidden in like the exodus part of the bible and exodus means like what an escape or like a a, a movement away from something um i just think that is just so perfect it's just 
Yeah, I will not hear a bad word, word about it. Well, I will, and I will accept your opinions and I will respect them. But at the same time, just know it's like, it's a weird like comfort film to have. But like, I think that is like definitely one of mine. I just adore it. So go and then roast it and break my heart. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I uh, remember seeing it a long time ago and I thought it was a bit meh, to be honest. And watching it this time I'm not going to say it's the best movie ever what I will say is that my time flew by through it I really enjoyed myself I kind of got mm -hmm. on uh, into it in that kind of chomping popcorn and cheering at the screen kind of way if you know what I mean when it's like finally the dicks get their come up yeah. and you're like yes son you know all that kind of stuff that that was the that's what i was getting towards with, with with this film um i think you're right i think tim robbins is fantastic in this i think he really subtly plays the the the, the age really well where it's almost like they don't they don't ever really well i mean mm -hmm. they, they, they have moments where they're like oh how long's i haven't been here now and or like referencing to how long red's been yeah. there and then tim Robbins, and you kind of piece together how long they've been there but i think without those bits i don't well, obviously, I think people would be annoyed if if it wasn't there, because then it wouldn't be like, oh, how long specifically was he there? But like, I think you can see in his face and just the subtle way they change his 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 uh, his makeup with his hair and stuff like that, and just the way that he moves and the way that he acts. It's just it's yeah. really really well done in that regard. I think I feel like Morgan Freeman is good, but he's Morgan Freeman in that kind of way. I don't think I, I, I really ever bought into like I say my Al Pacino I didn't see Al Pacino in the first movie I do see Morgan Freeman in this mm -hmm. but I don't think I have maybe this is a controversial opinion but I don't think I've ever seen Morgan Freeman not be Morgan Freeman even in the movies I really like him in to be honest like I just I always see that same kind of probably the voice oh the voice the voice will be a big part of it but <coughs> yeah it, it, it was really it was paced really well um it was it, it was um just it had those really like it's really good bad guys in it as well when it starts with the uh, who do you have the it? sisters like the, just make my skin crawl yeah, oh sisters. god you have the mm -hmm. sisters and then you have the 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 the, the guards and then the wall yeah. and i think they're all really good and it's kind of like a progressive mm -hmm. like moving through one to the next kind of thing until you get to like the warden is the, is the threat now um and it, mm -hmm. it just it plays that that lifespan kind of thing just where you're introducing new characters an hour and a half in and it doesn't like because i've seen films like the irishman i watched the irishman and it's an hour and a half in. you're still introducing new guys i'm like please fucking stop would you like i can't i can't keep up with this <laughs> whereas this you know they introduce uh i can't remember his name is it billy no oh yeah Tommy. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. The young guy Tommy. The young guy i uh, you know they're introducing him quite late into the movie and i'm completely you know it, it works with the narrative of this movie obviously as well because it is a prison new people come in and all that and i like that yeah i just I, I i just really i really did enjoy it um even after not really liking it the first time uh, so, <laughs> right. i'm sure you're happy um, with that, and the bit with brooks is just the saddest oh, thing ever we brooks well, it's, when, it's when he's sitting in the bus cry every time and he's just like that like sitting in i know <laughs> I, um... it's 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 when he says something like I, I i'm i'm tired of being afraid all the time or like i don't want to be afraid anymore or something like that like that just gets me every time uh -huh. and i think the fact as well that like just at the end when when red gets out and obviously like he, he kind of follows the same tra tra 
trajectory that um, Brooks does, but he has, you know, that hope because he's got, you know, something to cling on to. He's, he's got Andy to kind of guide him through, whereas the only kind of, you know, character that, that uh, Brooks had that would really, you know, resemble that was Jake. And obviously he had to let Jake go. And then after that, he really he really didn't have anything. So, yeah, just you know, that whole bit is just so heartbreaking. I've seen him struggling with the bags packing the bags in the store and he's yeah. trying to keep up oh, and oh, I, I love I the, those little moments like Morgan Freeman having to ask when he asked to go to the toilet and stuff like that it's just it's really mm-hmm. it brings up a really interesting question of like or, or, or topic of like the whole like what does he call it uh, institutionalized institutionalized where it's like they, they institutionalized are becoming, uh, yeah. uh, they, they are becoming it's just a way of their life that they, they get to the point where it's like it's really heartbreaking when it's like brooks says something he's like i just i'm thinking about like blowing uh blowing the head off my manager so they can take me back home and it's like because he sees mm-hmm. that as his home and that's, that's home i know uh, that's heartbreaking yeah 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 when you go brian well um i will say i <laughs> film uh it deserves to be towards the top of the list and I, I, I'm going to very much disagree with your opinion on Morgan Freeman because I don't see him at all in this. I think this is one of the few instances where he has a world-class actor because he did it around about this time because he was just in Unforgiven and then he was in obviously The Shawshank Redemption and those are two roles where he, I think he completely disappeared into the characters and obviously it was later in his career the whole Morgan Freeman voice became a thing and he just started you know acting for paycheck sort of thing but I think this is him putting in a performance. I think Tim Robbins is great as well. Clancy Brown is ridiculously good as uh, Hadley. And yeah. I will say though, my, my my gripes about this film are just slightly superficial because Big Man does not age a fucking day in 19 years. Big Captain <laughs> Hadley. What a set of jeans he, he comes from. But it's just silly things like that. But this film is so ridiculously rewatchable. Like I could very simply watch it start to finish then bung it on for the start again because you just you go through it so effortlessly but you feel as if you're, you're yep. in this long slog with Andy for the entire time and I think it's, it's one of the things I don't I think the score is a bit too over the top at points it's still suffering from that time mm-hmm. in Hollywood where it's like now dramatic scene happens and big score comes in and I just it's wee things like that that take me away from movies sometimes but um, I think Shawshank is fantastic. I think the whole um, tar in the roof scene, the way they block that, the way they shoot that with the crane and over the top, and you see that the ground below him is Hadley's hanging him over the edge, and it's just it's just perfect cinema. It's just perfect blocking, stage and lighting, directing, acting. It all comes together in certain scenes. I don't think the reason it's I don't class that as the same as the Godfather is. I think the Godfather does it consistently, whereas the Shawshank Redemption does it. 80% of the time through the film there are drawbacks and there are hang-ups and there's things that don't quite hit the mark um, but I, I love this film, I've said it I, 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 first time I watched this film was on video I think I've still got the video down there um, so <laughs> yeah, no, I love this film to death um, so this was my first time watching it mm-hmm. um, I liked it I thought it was fun <laughs> Um, I agree that it should be up near the top of the list, um, but what really threw me off was the fact that the guy who plays Hadley is Mr. Krabs and SpongeBob. <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah. Oh, completely- yeah. <laughs> um, so my dad, I couldn't find. Hey, did Cinder- you not know that? 
You know, I think I probably have her, but I, I just, it suddenly clicked where there was like something about him the whole time. But because he's so young, like I would have reckoned, I, I would have recognised mm-hmm. him because uh, he's a, obviously a lot older now. It's a 25 year old movie, nearly 30 year old movie. But like, ah, oh, I can't even believe that. Right. Okay. Sorry. He's Hank in Detroit Become Human yeah, as well. That, that yeah. was, that's what I'm recognising him from. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, well, so- he's also the Kurgan in yeah. Highlander. Fuck's sake. Clancy yep. Brown is a fantastic character actor, by the way, team. I um Yeah, so I just uh, I love I love SpongeBob. Um so it really That's fucked cool. me up here and him going, <laughs> You son of a bag, little dipshit, blah blah blah. I was like ah. Um But has all the character progressions in this are perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um I agree with Brian. I don't see Morgan Freeman as Morgan Freeman. Um, when he came on screen, me and my dad were like, oh, he is a baby face. Look at him. <laughs> and um, my dad, having seen it before and having known stuff about the book, was like, do you want to know why the character's called Red? And I was like, sure, dad. Um, and it's because in the book, it's this ginger Irish guy. And then in the film, they get to Morgan Freeman and he's like, my name's Red. I think it's because I've got Irish in my family. Ha 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 ha. Me and my dad were like, mm, class. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I liked it. Um, I like the mystery behind it. I like the way that everything falls um, out of order towards the end. Like like when you see what his plan was the whole time. And he's been digging this hole. And, then, and he's taking these papers instead of those papers. And he was wearing the shoes. But nobody's seen he was wearing the shoes. Because you don't look at a man's shoes. Um, and stuff like that. I just, mm-hmm. yeah, I um, I liked it a lot. I felt what I would have liked to have felt from it was when I watched Knives Out for the first time and everything got revealed, and I was like, ah, holy fuck, that's amazing. That's how I kind of wanted to feel about it. But I think because there's that, as Brian says, there's the you know the scoring stuff's good, but it's so big, um, and so in your face. Um, I feel like I didn't have that, but it's it's a hard comparison to make because I really love Knives Out. I think Knives Out deserves to be on a list like this. <laughs> um, and obviously with the actor um, passing away today, which we should talk about. Um, oh. Yeah, I just, I mm-hmm. thought it was really good. I understand why Rachel loves it. Um, and I don't know why it's taken me this long to watch it. So, uh, uh, respect. Oh, Can yeah, I re- say one final thing? Um, the reason why I, I don't have it as high as it is is because it should have ended before Red and Andy met up together. It should have ended with totally. Red in the yeah. um, as Andy had escaped. I felt that that scene that added on with him getting the rock and and, and all of that stuff with the whole... Because it ended and the story was closed and then it started a new story with Red getting out of jail. It should have been finished with Andy gets free and now Red mm. is in here to live out the rest of his days institutionalized. I just thought that the happy ending yeah. to Hollywood just pegged on the end and it brought it down just a touch for me. I think it's I, th- I thought it suited better for, for it to be Red. You know, that last scene of him cleaning off the, the unmarked graves or whoever it was in the cemetery. I also uh, have something to say. <laughs> okay. uh, surprise. Um, at no point during the film does it clarify that Andy was innocent. Um, we just assume because of his personality and his mannerisms. So do you know how you see the flashbacks? I thought that was from Andy's perspective, which it obviously is. And you see him escaping, but it doesn't say 
he didn't shoot. And I know that guy, I know there was the whole thing with the guy in the jail, but there's something cynical inside me that says that guy... You know, do you know how... It's like the shady little guy who is all evil looking. Yeah, do you know how, like, serial killers, you get, like, copycats or uh, the whole John Bernie Ramsey thing. They had so many people coming forward here in this big uh, lawsuit saying, oh, it was me, I did it. And I think it's just as easy for me to... I don't know, something cynical in my brain makes me think that Andy did something and I want to keep that to myself (laughs) because I don't think he's a perfect character at all. Um... I really like that. I I love that. I love Thank stuff you. like that. And uh, um, I was I literally had it in my head. I've forgotten it. It slipped away now. Uh, if anyone wants to comment on that, while I try and regain my memory, it's <laughs> 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 a common thing with, with me and Brian. I'll just I don't have sentence. anything to say about that. But oh, is that is that something with that, with um, that upset you? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm more than happy to hear what people have to say about it. I was just going to say real quick. Um, I actually, I do have the DVD for this. I know, uh, I still watch DVDs. Oh my goodness, who am I? But um, I actually watched this on Amazon Prime. And one of the things I quite like about Amazon Prime is the fact that, like, when you're watching something, you can like go over to the side and it'll give you like wee facts and stuff. So I was doing that like kind of regularly because I've seen the film so many times. I like I know what's going on. Um, so I, I, one of the wee facts that I saw at the side was um about just like other potential like casting choices and um, there was one that said about uh, Rob Reiner who I think uh, directed Misery which is obviously another Stephen King adaptation he was really interested in taking it on and he wanted to cast Harrison Ford as Red and Tom Cruise as Andy which I hate I I love a bit of Tom Cruise if anyone's listened before you know I love a bit of Tom Cruise but nah nah not this time Tommy no, that, I hate uh, Tom Cruise. So, um... <laughs> I think um, Steven Spielberg also also offered Oscar Schindler to Harrison Ford. We tidbit of information there, and Harrison Ford declined it, saying he didn't think people would be able to see past Indiana Jones to be believable as Oscar Schindler. Which I respect that. I think that's, that's fair. Said. I think that's fair enough because Liam Neeson. I don't think until maybe you could count taken as this. I don't taken. Think Liam, Liam yeah. has that. I mean, I mean, I've never seen Rob Roy. What are you talking I about? I haven't seen Rob Roy. I haven't seen Rob Roy. How dare you? I've a phone podcast and you haven't seen Rob Roy. I ain't seen Rob Roy. Boys and girls and everybody else. Not me. You see Rob <laughs> Oh my God. I think it's called Rob Roy. Sure it is. I can't believe I've forgotten. I feel, I feel like I mean, love actually good... is Liam Neeson's best role. Oh, I totally agree with Rachel. Apart from Rob Roy. Hi. Thank you. Well, this is uh, <laughs> uh, sealed the deal that you will never be back in this podcast. Talking positively about love, actually, uh, we we literally have a we have a, a controversial film opinions episode coming out tonight, and love actually may or may not be mentioned in it by by me. Um, <gasps> uh, I'm raging about the fact that I can't remember what I was going to say because I feel like it was such a good point. But I'm going I'm going to help you. No, I'm going to help you try and retrace your steps really quickly, right? So, what we were talking about is the innocence of the man that we don't truly believe in because uh, there's like little bits. Oh, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Thank you there very go. much. What I was going to say is something that was very unspoken that I, th- I was taking from this movie that I really liked is the fact that 
because he is in for murdering his wife, even though he maybe did or didn't do it, and and the person she was having an affair with, it actually kind of worked in his favour for a little bit, because it's always that kind of thing, when you go into prison, you have the reputation of, like, what you in for, and he's in for murdering two people in Are you speaking blood. from experience? I'm speaking from personal experience, you know. I'm a wee bit younger than I, than I actually am, you know. I've had a few few years in the slammer, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think I think there was an unspoken thing in this film where it was like people maybe stayed a wee bit back, but further back from him just or left them alone. Obviously, eventually the sisters become come into the fray, but it takes a wee bit before before that actually comes into it. And I think it's because everyone is trying to suss him out. And like Red says, he walks through the place like he hasn't got a care in the world. And I think for mm-hmm. so many people, it's like. Well, this guy did murder two people, so maybe I should stay back in case he just goes. He's calm right now, but he might go pan chucky and just go, you know. And also the, the fact that the, the thing to also reiterate with Brian's ending, I also didn't like the ending. I wanted it to be a big mystery. Maybe have it end with him finding the box. I like that. Mm. But um, see, when I got to the bit that he was just like he's cut off his shirt sleeves and he's scrubbing a boat, I was like. What the fuck is going on? He's <laughs> like, was... I know that this was his his dream, but and I know it's an island, but could he not like chill for like two what, seconds? What I was imagining of that is that Red turns no. up. And he's like, he's like, yes, man, freedom. I'm gonna meet up with my pal who's got all this money, and then yeah. uh, and then Tim Robbins is just like. The money's gone. All we've got is this rusty ass boat. Come on, mate. We live here now. And Red's just like, ah, uh, mistakes have been made. Yeah. <laughs> Better accommodation at Shawshank. I'm going back to Shawshank. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but uh, is, that, is that us? Is that us? Uh, do you want to say anything else? Does anyone want to say anything else about Shawshank before we reveal our official ranking, top 10 ranking? Just that I'm scared of Mr. Krabs now. <laughs> I, I, I was hoping maybe if he had like a little the kind of hey 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 I do love a bit of Spongebob oh my god I could watch it daily Um, so who wants to go first with their, their, their version of the top 10 I don't mind going go for it Brian so number 10 The Godfather Part 2 Ooh. number 9 is The Dark Knight number 8 is Pulp Fiction Seven is Schindler's List. Six is Twelve Angry Men. Five is The Return of the King. Four is The Fellowship of the Ring. Three is The Shawshank Redemption. Two is The Good, The Bad and the Ugly. And one is The Godfather. A fairly standard Brian list. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I only had ten films to play with here. Eight of these would not be in my top ten. <laughs> I'm going to quickly put in. Yeah, I'm the same. Sorry, just putting in the chat. Uh, number one. I'm just seeing what everyone else wants. We've done around. So I'll just go for mine then. Uh, oh, no, it's not here. I need to look at it on my phone. I had Oops. to re- recreate it to the best of my memory, although I'm not entirely sure this was what I had decided on. <laughs> but I have uh, number 10, uh, The Godfather Part 2. Uh, number 9, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Number eight, Schindler's List. Seven, uh, 12 Angry Men. Number six, The Shawshank Redemption. Number five, Pulp Fiction. Four, The Godfather. Three, The Dark Knight. Two, The Return of the King. And number one, Fellowship of the Ring, baby! (laughs) 
I had to put it down because, like I was saying, it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. It is so comforting to me. Yeah, it's a it's film not even the best Lord of the Rings film. Get out of here. I'm going to sack you for the podcast. <laughs> just been me talking to myself every week. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm just... Uh, that That has got to be... Fellow, Fellowship, to me, is the one that I could probably rewatch the most. The one that makes me instantly happy the second it turns on. I can be walking past the television and there's a wee scene of Lord of the Rings playing and I'm like, yes, mate. And I'll just sit there and watch it to the end. Um, absolutely adore it. Who's next? Rachel, do you want to go? Sure. Okay. So, 10, The Godfather. 9, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Eight, The Godfather Part Two. Seven, Schindler's List. Six, Pulp Fiction. Five, Fellowship of the Ring. Four, The Dark Knight. Three, Return of the King. Two, Twelve Angry Men. And one, obviously, Shawshank. Obviously. Erin? Uh, so I had no idea we were doing this until you mentioned it at the start of the podcast. So, <laughs> did, did I uh, message you? <laughs> you probably did. You probably did. Um... I'm very inconsistent. So here is my rough edge. Um, so number 10 is The Godfather Part 2. Number 9 is The Godfather, but I will admit I will watch them. Maybe they shouldn't be placed there. Um, number 8 is The Good, The Bad and the Ugly. Number 7 is Return of the King. Number 6 is The Fellowship of the Ring. Number 5 is Schindler's List. Number 4 is Pulp Fiction. Number 3 is The Dark Knight. Number 2 is Shawshank Redemption. And number 1 is 12 Angry Men. Nice. 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 Um, we've got, uh, looking at, the, at the, the chat, where the hell is my mouse went? There's there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just disappeared. Um, so we've got The Dark Knight, a couple of Godfathers, Fellowship. I'm in, I'm there for the fellowship. Uh, <laughs> Dark Knight, bottom of the p- pile every time. That's that's sacrilege. <laughs> uh, what I was also going to say, even though I can't look at it now because our uh, our um, Twitter account has been locked. Uh, thanks, thanks to me. Why has it been locked, Aaron? Why has it been locked? Because I wanted some birthday balloons, all right? <laughs> so. You know, the thing is, as well, I'm starting to think I maybe actually put the birth year as 2021, which would have made us zero days old, like born today. Zero. Just zero. Zouch. Zoucho. (laughs) We got another another fellowship in here. Shawshank number one all day. Um, So we done a little poll. We done a little poll on the now non-existent Twitter that uh, asked whether Shawshank should have been number one. And... (laughs) Do you know what that poll came to? It came to 50-50, which is very, <laughs> very helpful. Just um, like how I feel about Andy not being innocent. <laughs> 50-50. Ooh. I, I like, I like, that. this is like one of my mottos. If it's a, a wee bit darker, I'll enjoy it a wee bit more. And that, that yeah, can get that yeah. wee bit extra out of me. If you're like, ah, but is he? You're like, you get right, to is feel, he and he's just in this wee island slaughtering some fools. For yeah, like, you never know. Red uh, turns up and he's like, "I've eaten three people. Don't look at me." <laughs> we, we better, we better, right, Hannibal. <laughs> we got army hammer. What's the deal with that? Does anyone know? Oh, I don't know. I think I've read so many stories, Horrendous. and I've read the articles that his ex-wife has done. Um, and there's something to do with a film that him and Timothy Chalamet were making, and then loads of people have come out from years ago saying that he's he's messaged them stuff like this. Um, I think the man just has a kink. 
Do you think he? Did he? Do you think he? He's just me- he's messaging and he's. Do you think he's actually? No, you can't eat people. You can't eat even little bits. Like you go to jail for that. I mean, there <laughs> see, are. See the there lack of confidence be, in my voice there when I was like, you there go to must jail for be that, <laughs> a community of. Do you know how that IT crowd episode where people like offer this yeah, cannibal? Yeah. You know, I think that's a real thing that happens. Yes. So, oh yeah. Um, uh, not I, kink shaming people. I think that yeah. cannibalism is not a nice thing. Um, <laughs> I thought you were about to say but... cannibalism is hot. <laughs> um, yes. Um, no, I just, I think it's a kink that Army Hammer as uh, whatever the age needs to get over and not publicly talk about. Um, much like Tarantino and his feet, it's okay in the bedroom if it's consensual. Mm. But I don't need to see it in your feature-length film. I think I was nearly sick the time I watched From Dust Till Dawn and he pours a drink <laughs> down Salma Hayek's foot into his mouth and I was like, <laughs> no, that is not for me at all. I loved every second of it. Uh, mm. <laughs> Brian's like, every frame's perfection, especially that frame. <laughs> yep, that one frame, that one frame. Dribbling in his foot, his chin that's, a wee bit. Yeah, also that's just, <laughs> with the noises of the guys eating the soup from the good to bad and ugly <laughs> so um, <laughs> yes well we are very very over schedule so we're going to wrap things Oops. up <laughs> supposed to be an hour and a half ended up being why are we over schedule <laughs> no, it's not it's, it's just because it just chatting just the band like I am fucking hungry I'm not going to lie uh, not, the, not the balloons not not the balloons, mate. No, the, balloon, the, the balloons only delayed us by 20 minutes. Aaron, see for your second year anniversary, <laughs> I will okay. personally send you balloons, so there's no problems. I, I know. I mate, Hopefully I'll have my my, uh, my Twitter account back by then. <laughs> I think you need to email the security and tell them what a fucking dumbass right. you are. Just to let you know, I've aged, I'm a day old now. I know a lot more than I did yesterday when I was born. So, um, But yeah. <laughs> Thank you to anyone that's dropped by. We've actually had some pretty pretty decent numbers for it today. Uh, so yep. thank, thanks for everyone that's been watching, everyone that's been commenting. Um, we hope you enjoyed our little extended edition of taking on IMDb's top 10 movies for our birthday extravaganza. Yep. And um, I... When the uh, becomes unlocked, give us a follow. I went twi- when, when we sort that out at the <laughs> film aspect, I'll be sure to be posting about it. If you want to follow any of us you can see our twitter handles in the corners very handily i don't know what corner it's at you're you're down below you're you're below yourself i'm above yeah rachel's above and brian's below so we've we've got it all there if you want to follow us and then we'll (laughs) potentially give it especially myself and brian will give you updates on on the the twitter account and anything coming out with the show in future if you want to listen to more of the show we release episodes every tuesday and friday we do a recasting couch every tuesday where we cast films of old Tonight we're releasing controversial film opinions, which will probably be a good extension of this episode. And uh, yeah, <laughs> also thank you to everyone that has ever listened to us or shared anything or retweeted and followed us over the entire year that we've been doing this, which is kind of crazy, isn't it, Brian? Can you can you imagine we <laughs> we 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 just started having wee conversations in the the halls of UWS, and I was like, God, do you want to just do this in there, except like record ourselves while we're talking? And I said, films. Come into my office. <laughs> Let me get you on the radio. Not that I'm taking. I'm not taking any <laughs> full credit. Full credit. No credit. No credit. I don't no, want take, to be associated. I'm joking. Yeah, this was really fun. Thank you. Thank you to Rachel and Aaron as yeah, well for thank joining you. us. Um, 
it's been it's been a lot of fun. Thank you're, you for you're, having me. You're pretty much our first guest. I've had I've had like uh, we've had like solo guests on throughout uh, throughout the year, but you're, you're the first guys with the full squad. Me, Brian, and other people. It's crazy. It's expanding. Uh, so hopefully we can have you back at some point as well if we if we do something other than that. Maybe we'll we've spoken about live streams as well, haven't we, Brian? Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe we'll just do it through Aaron underscore Bane. Who knows? We don't even need the film aspect logo. The film aspect <laughs> cinematic universe is going large and wide. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you to everyone once again and check out spotify or soundcloud or google Podcasts, all the other logos at the bottom for the the episodes that'll be out this week friday and tuesday thanks to rachel and Aaron, and we'll see you in the future every week <laughs> i'm good at outros goodbye hi thank you <laughs> thanks to anyone that listened to this live stream episode from our birthday extravaganza a couple of weeks ago it was a really special night we really really enjoyed ourselves and Thank you to anyone that showed up on the night for the live stream. And if you're here again, what are you doing? Why are you listening to this again, you weirdo? But anyway, thanks. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday with our recast of Gangs of New York. And then the following Friday, I believe at this point, we're planning to talk about the Adjustment Bureau for its like 10th anniversary or something like that. So keep your eyes peeled for those and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>